Welcome to the Rebel News Daily Livestream. I am Andrew Chapados with Sydney Don't Call Me Australia Fizzard. How are you, Sydney? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing there? I just came up with that right now. We're both beardless right now as formerly bearded men. This is a big change for you, isn't it? Oh, certainly. Well, I mean, you remember when I uh, started at Rebel News, you could just see this massive thing on my face that was not groomed or tamed in any way. So it's uh, certainly been a, a large change. Some have called you member of the Bee Gees. Some have called me a member of uh, Toto, specifically producer Mauricio likes that one. But I digress. We are here at rebelnews.com slash live streams. We're on YouTube, Rumble, and Getter, and Odyssey. And uh, if you guys have any uh, spicy questions you want to ask, insults, comments, questions, compliments, beard references, you can do that through Rumble Rants or Odyssey Hyper Chats. Anything over $5 or $5 and above will be read on air, but we'll still show everything else below. So uh, if you want a hot Sid take, maybe about him smoking cigarettes or while he's smoking cigarettes, um, that's how you got to do that. And again, we will all read pretty much anything you put in front of me like Anchorman. So say whatever you want. Um, cigarettes are harmful. Don't do it. But also uh, <laughs> just for some of the spicier stuff. And you saw the YouTube warning at the beginning of this video. Uh, just Watch it on Rumble, you know, switch, mm -hmm. might as well do it now rather than later. Uh, that way, when we do switch over, you're not going to miss any of the good stuff we get to talk about on other platforms. Sid wants to question elections. He wants to question efficacies. He probably wants to do some flat earth stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's multidimensional. That's right. He's playing 8D chess with us right now. The first story, Sydney, I think we've got some good Trudeau stuff to get to in a minute. But Pierre Polyev, of course, the new leader of the Conservative Party in Canada. I just dealt with this on the Instagram live. Nobody can see my hands. I'm doing the whole experience. You need my hands in the shot. So I got to raise them up, you know. I'm not Italian. But um, Pierre Polyev is doing his rounds, of course, his media rounds. And I believe it's David Aiken from Global News really trying to give him a hard time. I think he's gunning for the Jim Acosta position should Polyev get into office, um, interrupting him. Let's just play the clip. A lot of you have probably seen it, but let's remind ourselves for those who haven't, and then we'll talk about it. Where Canadians are spending more just to feed themselves, to heat their homes, and to buy a home in the very first place. The reason that... The, look. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, we, we have, we, we have uh, basically a, a liberal heckler who snuck in here today to, well, apparently, I, the, <laughs> right. Don't you forget are you going to let me name. make my mistake? From the guy who actually reported yeah. first on the prime minister breaking the law. Yeah. Are you going to we let me make like my statement? just like question. Say, yes, I've, never, I've actually process. never seen you heckling the prime minister. Before. Ask Minister I've never Baird, seen you heckling the, the prime minister. Look, bottom line is this. Yes, I'm taking, I'll be taking two questions at the very end. Thank you very much. The, uh, so I'm going to start my statement again, and hopefully this time without interruption from uh, the uh, liberal heckling gathering here, and uh, we'll speak directly to Canadians so that they can hear what the new leader of the opposition has to say. I'll begin again. Good, Pierre. That's all I have to say from that is good. Um, and I like to point out that on Twitter, some journalists were saying, Oh, he wasn't going to take any questions at all. He very clearly there says he's going to take two questions at the end. Maybe David Aiken would have been one of them, Sidney Fizzard. But well, don't, I, I don't like forget my name is David Aiken, and I'm from astute programming called Global News, you guys. Excuse yeah. me. 
Exactly. I'm not a liberal activist because I work for Global News. <laughs> that, that's okay. Great. You know, good job there. Uh, but I, I could imagine if that was a Rebel News journalist, uh, you know, Alexa, you know, and she she spoke out of term like that, and she wouldn't, you know, she's very professional. Um, but imagine if a Rebel News reporter were to do something like that, they'd be hauled away by security. I imagine. Um, so it's uh, it's nice to see that he was uh, treated reasonably, and that's not something that we've come to. Uh, expect from the liberals in Trudeau. Well, let's remember that David Aiken is a, I'm guessing, at least mid-50s man who will openly lie online until he's caught. Um, If we go back, I think it was last year, producers, when he talked about um, the bus, Justin Trudeau's tour bus, uh, Abdusalem Bazurgan, a.k.a. Mocha, was there. He got footage of protesters halting the bus. I believe they were people who are in support of Indigenous communities for um, a reason that escapes me right now. Probably clean water, because um, Trudeau really does not get along with uh, the Native community at large. And by that, I mean they often butt heads, and he often gives them a lot of attitude more than he gives anybody else. But uh, here's the video on the screen, your screens right now. Mocha recorded protesters blocking the bus. David Aiken said it didn't happen. He then had to apologize. Um, and then, of course, he'll go ahead and block you for that. Mocha's hair there, though. Wild and out yep. of control. So this is the guy we're dealing with. He's very, you know, mainstream media. He's very serious about his job. At least Jim Acosta doesn't seem to take himself that seriously. He kind of played the game a little bit with Trump. And he knows that he's like playing the bad guy there, depending on which side you are. But David Aiken's one of these reporters who's just like, if this wasn't mainstream media and they had to survive without being on cable news or actually, sorry, basic cable, it's channel three here in this area, it always has been. And if they had to survive online or something, they would just get demolished and he would lose his job. But in these newspapers and on these networks, as long as you don't screw up, you're probably not going to lose your job. Um, and when you look at a guy like David Aiken, he there's no room for funny business. He's <laughs> he's straight hardcore down the line. You can't say you call me a liberal heckler. I questioned the prime minister back in the day, 25 years ago. Uh, I was questioning... I don't know, insert old Canadian political name here, but that's the type of guy he is. You're probably not, not going to get that level of seriousness from a modern reporter. And I think, Sydney, and I'll end with this, that even when you get, like Jim Acosta, um, I forget the other woman's name, Dark Hair from CNN, that always got in dispatch with Trump, even they, whom I do not hold very highly in, the term, in terms of journalism or uh, credibility, they sort of just go, okay, I'm just going to ask my question anyways. There's a certain level of professionalism you are supposed to have. Now, I'm not saying I was, I would have it. I'm not saying that at all. But when you're in this press pool right there, right at the front, you're not supposed to be interrupting him. And if you watch the whole video, you can see going back to right when he comes out, he's he starts then. So, Pierre, probably have a good job. I don't know what other thoughts you have on that, Sid. Go ahead. Well, a, a lot of these journalists and those who are, let's say, on the left, quotes uh, in quotes, uh, they fail upwards. And this is something that you've mentioned mm -hmm. as well, where they'll do, they'll make a mistake, they'll do something horrible. Uh, but at the end of the day, it seems to have worked out in their favor uh, because of whatever treatment they're being given from high above. All right, let's read this apology. Lots of readers slash viewers called 
me about today's Parliament Hill presser. Many said I was rude and disrespectful to Pierre. Tagged, very brave. Uh, I agree. I'm sorry for that. We all want politicians to answer questions, but there are better ways of making that point. But they don't do this to Justin Trudeau. That's the thing. Like when a guy is taking away your rights, Doug Ford, Justin Trudeau, when these people are t literally taking away your rights, forcing you to cover your face, forcing people into hotel rooms to quarantine, some people were poisoned, some people alleged sexual assaults, et cetera, et cetera, forcing you to do all these things, vaccinations. And you don't interrupt those people and you don't scream at them in any way, shape or form, a literal or a lot. And you don't demand they answer questions. And then you go to a guy like Pierre, however you think of him, he's just the new leader of a party and you're yelling at him like he's, you know, a, a Stalinist or something or or Hitler in 1936 or something, and you really want to get to these these answers before he even has the chance to take office. I mean, there is a, a time and a place for everything, even if it's getting uh, a little bit non-delicate, let's say, with politicians. But all of a sudden, a few people call him, and uh, you're right, you guys, even though I'm David Aiken of Global News, uh, I apologize, and I shouldn't be doing that. Like, like you're a 50 something year old man, I assume, and a, a few phone calls or tweets are going to make you change your tune. He's playing the role that he thinks he's supposed to play here when he says, I apologize. He's going through the motions, the liberal motions of as long as I have a Twitter apology, then I'm safe and the leftist community can then accept me back again. It's like uh, when somebody says, you know, I, I suffer from privilege. The prime minister himself, I have been blinded by layers of privilege for decades and I'll work on that. It's all a fantasy world. And, you know, does anybody really care what David Aiken has to think that's under, you know, 50 years old and voted for Justin Trudeau? No. The answer is no. I'm sorry, David Aiken, but you're not relevant in the political sphere. Nobody's going to you to be like, I can't wait to see what David Aiken has to say about this. And to take yourself so seriously, it just opens you up to ridicule like this. And if you're just going to fold when people call uh, and complain. Just be sure of yourself, bro. You're 50-something. Have some confidence in yourself. Did you do something right or did you do something wrong? Stand up for yourself. If you're going to do it, then at least stand behind it, okay? Yeah, I, I'm surprised to see this kind of adolescence from a seasoned journalist. Seasoned. So, But we can move on. Spicy and seasoned. Um, next, we have Justin Trudeau, I believe, um, <laughs> getting asked if he wants to run for re-election, knowing that Pierre Polyev is going to be running against him. There are rumblings and rumors, Sid, I'm sure you've heard them as well, that they want to call it yet another election this October. Usually they do that when they want to get justification for, you know, further lockdown, further restrictions, some big changes. And why shouldn't they? If people are going to vote them in, then that is a vote, it literally a vote of confidence. So let's see what he had to say about that. Polyev's rise influence your decision to stay on and fight? I think we're seeing a rise of various forms of populism based on anger and misinformation and disinformation mm. all around the world in many democracies. I've had many conversations with uh, my fellow leaders at the G7 and in other contexts around uh, the pressures that democracies are facing. Some external pressures, like the pressures put on us by countries like Russia or China or others, many of them internal with people who are frustrated 
scared about where the world's going, worried about their place within it. And politicians face a very simple choice. Do you allay those fears and empower people and show them how we're going to build a better future? Or do you amplify those fears for short-term political gain? It's the kind of conversations we had in the 2015 election. And it looks like it might be the kinds of conversations we're going to have to have again with the Conservatives choosing a path of amplification of anger and misinformation instead of actually figuring out oh how God. to Anyone respond. Anyone can talk like this, Sid. And you know, the amplification of misinformation and the Ethernet ports, you know, Ethernet ports across the country are lashing out at, at RAMs and CD-ROMs. Like you could talk about this for about anything and he'll just go up there and just not answer the question. Sid, is it true? Is everybody wrong but Justin Trudeau? Well, what Trudeau does, especially you can see it in uh, the speech that we just saw, is he'll tell you exactly what he's doing, but it'll be framed as a bad thing and it'll be framed as the other person who's doing it. But clearly he knows the answers because he knows what's happening because he's actually the one who's doing it. Uh, but this uh, face that he puts on, you know, of course, being a, uh, a proper drama teacher, well, it, it uh, a lot of people don't see through it. I'm reminded of a drama teacher I had for one day named Mr. Sharma. Shout out Mr. Sharma. Um, but what pressures are we facing from Russia as Canadians? That's what I'd like to know. I'd like to think of one example. We already didn't take Russian oil since uh, 2019. Is the pressure to give Ukraine more money, to put a flag in your profile, to maybe put a Ukraine flag on your car? I mean, that's a lot of pressure for some people, Sid, but I'd like to know what pressures society is putting on us or Russia's putting on us. What he's not saying there is that it's the government's putting the pressure on the people, the Western governments currently. And uh, here come the Russian disinformationist claims or the Russian propagandist claims, but it is indeed our own Western governments putting this pressure on us through their poor immigration stances, their poor uh, e uh, ecological stances, their poor economic stances. And, and their policies are what's putting pressure on people. I mean, nobody from Russia is telling, you know, Trudeau to not get more houses built or not put any initiatives to more housing for people. That's what real affordable housing is, is building more houses for these 400,000 plus people that are coming into the country every year. You need more housing for that. And I don't mean just the condos and the townhouses that are going up because that always ends up bad um, when these enclaves of townhouses are built. It's nobody else's fault that Justin Trudeau printed a bunch of money when he locked people down and stopped them from being able to go to work. That's not Putin's fault, believe it or not. So I don't know what pressures he could possibly be talking about, Sydney. Well, and you think about the situation between Russia and Ukraine uh, and, you know, we're doing sanctions or this or that or we're sending, you know, military supplies to Ukraine. Well, none of this is actually effective if Trudeau's goal is to go after Putin and to go after Russia. What you want to do if you want to take them on and you want to take down their economy is take over their market share of oil and gas across the world, especially in Europe. Now, we could have been supplying uh, energy to Europe and to the rest of the world to offset Russian oil and Russian energy. But Trudeau chose not to do that. He chose to allow Russia to continue on standing uh, above its oil refineries and using that to propagate the situation in Ukraine. He could have dealt with that by promoting oil, promoting Canadian energy, but he chose not to. Yeah, it's 
if you're going to start a war, you at least need to have good tactics to go along with it. And you can claim a whole number of factors into the war, but the war happened, it's still happening. And instead of capitalizing monetarily with oil and providing oil to those nations, like you said, uh, they just allow that to go to Saudi Arabia. And then in the end, Germany and, and the like, and the lot maybe I'll say, Germany and the lot of them, they still have to go back to Russia or they have to go back to coal in, in some areas. So they had all this energy and they're just like, we hate you, Russia. Oh, but now you're not going to provide us with energy, Russia? What's going on here? So I, that was some articles that I read a couple weeks ago where they said, you know, Russia's withholding gas from Eastern Europe now, um, which is obviously not the case. Maybe they are refusing to sell it to them now that they're funding Ukraine's side of the war, but Russia is still having to burn off a bunch of natural gas that they're used to providing to other people. Maybe they're doing that to mock them. I don't know. But the idea that you just engage in this war, fund one side, which then becomes a proxy war, just like Iraq or Afghanistan, where, to, for example, when you're funding that, um, whether you're fighting it or not, you can't just, you know, dip your toes in and just be like, we'll just provide money and just and just wash ourselves clean of it. I mean, the, the best they could have done or the, the least they could have done, sorry, would be to use this as an opportunity to make more money for themselves, for the country, for these oil companies. But they can't even do that properly, Sydney. They can't even be crooked well. Like that's the level of government incompetency that we're dealing with. Justin Trudeau contributes money to a country, rhetorically supports it. And then it's just like, meh, we'll just lose a few billion dollars. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's very yeah, confusing. They, yeah, they, they'd rather go after the symptoms, not the condition. Uh, and, you know, what we're alluding to with the Ukraine-Russia situation is a perfect example. Uh, they'd rather supply guns so that the warfare can continue instead of going after the market share of Russia within the energy sector, which would otherwise cut off the legs of their funding for the situation in Ukraine. And there was a stark decrease for the ruble at the start, and then it has since gone back up to where or gone above where it was before the war started. So in the end, can I say, yeah, can I say we should go back to the gold standard? <laughs> Too late for us. I wow, think, Sydney. But. What would the Rockefellers think? Okay, think of the poor Rockefellers. Jeremy Lafredo out of New York had a good story about the Rockefellers recently. Um, but I digress. He looks like Seth Green. We won't talk about that. There is a quote from Melissa Lantzman lately. She is the member of the Conser Federal Conservative Party. Um, say what you will about her. The two sides are she stands up for freedom. The other side is she's a big business lobbyist. And uh, you can ask other rebels who have interviewed her about that if you're more into that. But now... She is talking about the prime minister and what's this say here? Melissa Lansman says, I'm old enough to remember that the prime minister called an election and weaponized vaccine, calling everyone who disagrees with him racist and misogynist. Now, there was, of course, they always save it for French language, Sydney. You remember Justin Trudeau going on that show saying many of the truckers are racists and misogynists. And he alluded to other things in English as well. So this Toronto Star columnist, Althea Rod, she writes for something else as well. Yeah, throw this clip up of Trudeau that you just had there. Let's play that, just to remind everybody. Qui croit pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, 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 un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. 
Et là, il faut faire un choix really en tant that que leader, en tant que pays. We must make a choice as leader of the country. So tolerate these people, or do we say, come on? Fourth wave. Remember waves, Sydney. Talking about a fourth wave being dangerous. All right, let's go to her tweet. Althea Raj columnist for the Toronto Star, and she says, clarification. You love when they, they speak so... Melissa Lance, like, even if you don't like Melissa Lanceman, Melissa Lanceman doesn't know anything, you guys. She's just spreading lies. She's ne She wasn't paying attention, remember that. Clarification. Yeah, let me tell you from up on high. <laughs> yeah. He didn't call everyone who disagrees with him racist and misogynist. He was talking about the, the aggressive protesters. Aggressive spelled wrong, I think. Um, who showed during the campaign when he said these protesters are people who don't believe in science, who are often misogynistic, often racist as well. So let's go over what Melissa said to see if this is accurate. Called an election and weaponized vaccine, calling everyone who disagrees with him racist and misogynist. So obviously by everyone, she means the people who dis everyone who disagrees with him. Did he call everyone who disagrees with him often misogynistic and often racist as well? I would say that's fairly accurate to say that if he's calling everyone who disagrees with him racist and misogynistic and he says they are often misogynistic and often racist, I say that's pretty accurate. And then to say this tweet, Althea, it's really just this like weak attempted dunking on pe people. And it's obviously a big problem on Twitter that you have to deal with if you're on that platform. The desperate need, especially amongst leftists who get some sort of pleasure or satisfaction over making their quip, being the coolest kid in the chat for 30 seconds. Clarification, Melissa Lanceman, who doesn't work for the government and therefore doesn't know anything about what Justin Trudeau said while she was campaigning against him. He didn't actually say that. Like... Was that worth it, Althea? Did you really get the dopamine hit that you hoped for there? That's what I want to know, Sydney, is like typing that up. A lot of people type things up, myself included, and delete them and say it's not worth it. But to press send on this one, Sid, was that was that the dunking moment she hoped for? Help me understand, expert Sydney Fizzard. No, absolutely not. And just for a, a clarification, uh, well, when she's talking about the aggressive protesters, well, we saw what there was raves, there were bouncy castles, yeah. barbecues, uh, crime literally went down in the city of Ottawa during the convoy to Ottawa and while the convoy was there. Um, so realistically, you want to talk about aggressive protesters. Well, millions of Canadians were being called terrorists because they were tired of Trudeau's actions against them. So, you know, uh, maybe she should have a seat. Uh, and leave the talking to the big boys. <laughs> Misogynist Sidney Fizzard comments on misogyny. That's going to be the. I always like to think of the Dean Blundell point of view. You know, let me let me just say. In there. It, and I can't prove this because it's so long ago, but it must have been like 10 years ago. I was working in retail uh, and I had to, you know, uh, uh, welcome the guests who would come into the store. And, you know, it was a time when the LGBTQ thing was kind of picking up with the pronouns and whatever. Uh, and I said, hey, guys, welcome to the Lego store. <laughs> wow. And this person got upset at me because it was a, a mom and her daughter. And before I had said that, I had Googled, is guys gender neutral? The term guys, G-U-Y-S. Um, and Google said, yes, it was. 
uh, and that's why I went with it. But either way, they were uh, offended beyond all yards. Uh, so, you know, whatever. I'm going to say big boys. Don't take it personally, ladies. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to go to an ad here and we will come back to you guys with more Trudeau love and a little bit of stuff, some content from the RCMP and if people support them or not. We'll be right back. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Do you want to get closer to the truth about what was actually buried at Kamloops Indian Residential School last year? So do I. That's why the Rebels are doing a live screening in Calgary at Canyon Meadows Cinemas, and we want you to join us. We'll be there to watch this documentary with you, meet and greet you, and answer any questions that you have. I can't wait to see you. There's more info below. Very fun, very fun. So many documentaries these days, Sydney, rebelnewsplus.com. And again, hit us with a super chat, hyper chat, rumble rant, whatever you want to call it these days. I think we need, I guess, paid chat is the universal term. And let us know if you have any questions. Opinions on David Aiken, opinions on Justin Trudeau. Are we wrong? Maybe we are. This, uh, Despite what people say on the internet, I saw something t directed at uh, TV's Lincoln J the other day. Isn't it, maybe you're just a liar, Lincoln Jay. Somebody once said that you guys lie. And it's just like, whether people want to believe it or not, this isn't some, uh, we don't have a grand scheme going here. There's no basement where we uh, have bats flying around coming up with narratives. I love the old website was purchased before something happened narrative. That's my favorite one. As if uh, the people working in the back have this grand scheme going on behind dark foggy doors all the time but it's fun it's well, fun it's fun to be in this sphere and uh watch people was, come uh, up with their their narratives about us sid there was this little uh instagram post i saw earlier uh, today and it was like a uh it, it was some quote and it said some people feel the rain others get wet uh and if you're a rebel you're certainly feeling the rain and you know it's yellow and you know where it's coming from uh but unfortunately a lot of the <laughs> okay i'll leave it there if it's not what? yeah but some okay. people know they're being uh, alleviated on and others don't. Well, I recall a time when we My were called uh, controlled opposition from the UN. You just got to lean into it. Yeah, the UN pays me tons, you guys. Um, so does the NBA and the UFC. So Trudeau has announced, and this is one of those wonderful things like they did in California, um, an inflation relief bill for low and medium earners. Low earners sound so disparaging. You're just a low earner, so we're going to have to help you out. But... I get what the idea is. The idea is never actually the action with our wonderful, let's call them WEF leaders du jour. But taking people's money after you've printed a bunch of it and then giving it back to them doesn't make sense to me, Sydney. Now, people are going to say um, that's not how it works is what uh, they love to say. But when you print money and don't tell some of the, the CBCers that because it's not literally printing money, you guys. Um, but so you create all this all this monetary fiat and then there's too much of it. Inflation goes up and you're like, you know what? Inflation's too high. We're going to give some of that money back to you. To me, the solution is just don't do that in the first place. What am I missing, Sydney, as we give $4.5 billion in relate, uh, inflation relief? No, you're, you're not missing anything. Uh, th this is a stab in the back 
basically from Trudeau on the inflation. It's just, yeah, the answer is print more money. And I think we talked about this previously, and it's just going to keep going down this hole and it's going to, it's the, the snowball effect. You know, you throw a, a snowball off a hill and it'll roll and it'll get bigger, it'll get bigger, it'll be get, it'll get bigger and eventually it'll crash. Um, and that's, that's what they're uh, lining us up for. But if he's going to go into election, which I don't think he's going to win, then he's going to leave it for Pierre to clean up. Well, that's what the liberals did in Ontario before Doug Ford came in. They put in all these um, relief packages, of course. They put in stuff for free um, medicines and um, child care so that they can say the next party, oh, look at the stuff they're taking away from you. And that was the wonderful liberal leader of Ontario who gave way to Doug Ford, which many people loved for a short period of time until he locked them down. So if that's what Justin Trudeau's idea is here is spend a bunch of money so that when another person comes into office, maybe it's going to be Jagmeet Sid, you don't know. Um, they have to deal with that and then they can say, look how bad the economy is doing. I mean, it's a good move. They try to do that in reverse all the time. Like with Obama, they say, you know, his economic choices and policies were so good that Trump was seeing all the benefits from it. And I guess, you know, no world leader can ever take credit of four years worth of policy if that's the case of that if that's how it works in that world well go ahead honestly i'd uh, just hearing uh, what you were saying i'd love to see rob uh if he was the mayor of toronto during mm -hmm. the covid times i think that would have been uh quite the ride would have been quite the ride i wish there was would have been a good movie Rest in peace. about rob ford there was a bad movie about rob ford where the guy playing him was in terrible uh makeup and a fat suit i believe they got i don't know how familiar you are with band of brothers sid but uh major winters like the main guy he played rob ford i believe and uh he's a tall not fat guy so rest in peace to him uh if only chris farley was alive to play him i think that's the obvious choice there i think there's probably like a fake trailer of uh, Chris Farley as Rob Ford from the movie um, Black Sheep, where that's about an election. And uh, I think somebody cut that together. Um, there's been a survey asking people about their trust in the RCMP in their town and nationally. Um, if you're not aware, in rural areas, the RCMP is used as a police force when there's not a police force present, along with, you know, some highway stuff and that just like the OPP has jurisdiction in some places, but the RCMP is used as a police force in some parts of the country. And there's been a survey that says only 35% of Canadians trust their national leadership. Now I read that and I was like, wait a minute, that's kind of high. If, if you're talking about election terms, you only need 34%. But when you, when you swing it around, there's only a yes or a no. So 65%, two-thirds of the country don't trust the national leadership. And I'm guessing a lot of this might have to do with the stuff that went on in the East Coast, the mass murder out there. I had some relatives that were affected by that. And when you put that on top of the lockdowns that were happening and so you have all and, these problems and then you can't go to your homes and the East Coast is a big supporter of Justin Trudeau. They're in, the federal government's in charge of the RCMP. It's no wonder to me, unless I'm missing something you can think of, Sid, why su support would be down when already for decades people have been saying the RCMP's hiring practices are not fair and, you know, what do we even need for them, them for? A lot of the times people ask whether they know 
that they're uh, police in some jurisdictions or not. Is there anything else you can think of on that? How many people got trampled by RCMP horses in Ottawa? You know, and there were three excavators in Coots that were destroyed by the RCMP uh, and other behavior that the RCMP committed to while they were at the blockade in Coots. So they they certainly aligned themselves up for <laughs> clearly what thirty five percent of Canadians uh, trusting the national leadership. Well, that comes as no surprise. Yeah, but do you think the national support of the blockades and such and the protests overlaps there because? I think the majority of Canadians were probably were against, you know, the border blockades as opposed to the Ottawa. I'm not sure of the numbers. Maybe we can pull up a poll on support for uh, the border blockades. But I think those were lower. Pierre Polyev even came out and was like, I don't support illegal blockades of the border. I mean, I disagree with him on that. But um, I don't know. I don't know if those cross over. There, there is a bit of a, a, a timidness towards it, especially because of what happened near the end. Um, but rest assured, there were quite literally thousands upon thousands of people there. Um, and again, again, that incident in the end where people were arrested, uh, that was arguably very separate to the Coots blockade, even though it has uh, stained them a little bit. Uh, and even before that, though, even well, all the while, there were politicians who were showing their support, uh, but then were like, okay, well, let's just try and keep one lane open or this or that. They were trying, everyone was trying to negotiate. Uh, the Coots the blockade was a mixing pot of different people from all levels of jurisdiction within the government uh, to all forms of protesters and supporters. It, it was quite the phenomenon. <laughs> um, more Trudeau um, stuff happening. Uh, is that uh, Gil Bow, the environment minister? Yeah. Okay. What a handsome man. Throw him on. <laughs> you know, you know, you're in in good when you just get a handsome Frenchman like that. Um, he's asked about whether or not being too woke is going to be a detriment to the party. We all know it is. We all know people are increasingly rejecting wokeness. Whatever that means to you, we can all pretty much agree on what it means. Being overly sensitive, overly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe overly inclusive, stuff like that. Where it takes it too far, you're canceling people for jokes. You're going back in their history, trying to find something wrong with everything. That's a f Trying to find something offensive with everything. I think most people can agree with that. He says he doesn't even know what it means. And maybe you see... Uh, one of my people, the French people on screen, you and you hear see the quote, I don't know what it means to be woke. You're expecting to say, I don't know what this means uh, to be woke. Uh, what, what is this? But no, Stephen Gilbo doesn't even have an accent. As we, Let's play this. He, he knows what the word means. Do you think that you're vulnerable to attacks like that from Mr. Polyev when he says, you're too woke, you're not in tune with the needs of Canadians who are, who are hurting? Frankly, I don't even know what it means to be to be, to, to, to be woke. I have, I, I, I'm not, I'm working to serve Canadians, and, and Canadians have asked us for, for three elections in a row to do more and to do, it, to do it faster when it comes to fighting climate change, when it comes to helping communities have better air, better water, access to more public transit, more electric vehicles, more bike paths. That's exactly what we're doing. I don't have the internet. I don't have television. I don't know what woke means. What does this mean? What's Googling mean really, Sid? No, that, that's uh, pretty funny to see, especially I, I've gone back and seen his, uh, uh, the videos on greenpeace.org or whatever the website is. And, you know, back in the day when he climbed the CN Tower right. to make his point. Uh, and then as well, he had an oil, uh, a trip up to the oil sands. 
And it's funny seeing uh, the full videos that Greenpeace hosts because you can clearly see him, uh, you know, talking, making the advocatorial stance. Uh, but then there's some lady behind the camera who whenever he messes up, she's like, no, no, you got to like, you know, nail the point, you know, go harder, you know. And the way he describes that after when he says, you know, I don't know what woke is. And then he starts to go down this, you know, half woke, <laughs> half attempting to be neutral stance. And it's like, well, OK, sure. You don't know what woke is, but you clearly acted out. Well, it would be like if Donald Trump hired a guy who was, you know, in a, a federal standoff against like gun rights. Remember, there was those people who had a militia a few years ago and and they took a compound back. And I'm not talking about Waco, by the way, but a few years ago in one of the northern states, they had a big thing against the FBI. It would be like. Trump hiring a person who did something like that, not somebody who did something violent. I'm not trying to get that point across because Stephen Gilbo just committed an act of uh, like a crime, but it was like an activist crime. Imagine Trump hired somebody who did that, who was just like, this is my property. You can't come and take my guns, et cetera, et cetera. They would call him a crazy person. They would say that this person is not fit for office. Trump's hiring extremists, et cetera, et cetera. But when Justin Trudeau puts this guy who do, who literally worked for Greenpeace and wasn't just a guy who sat around and said, you know, don't cut down these trees, um, I'm guessing, has he tied himself to a tree? I don't know. I don't think that's true. I've never heard that. I'm just making that up right now. But if you're going to climb, you said he climbed the CN Tower. Is there a video of this? Yep. Oh, I want to see that. Do we have that, you guys? Uh, maybe not on hand. It's on the Greenpeace website, though, and they're... Uh, uh... Uh, historic footage or whatever they call it. Uh, it's, it's, it's something to see. It's kind of funny. Well, yeah. let's go to an ad break and see if we can find that. Get your paid chats in because we are running out of time, but we will get to them and we will talk more about um, some hilarious stuff coming out of New Orleans. The mayor justifying uh, buying first class flights. We'll be right back. We started off this convoy calling it taking back our freedoms. But our freedoms are nobody's to take away. So we're going to restore everybody's freedoms. You know, lots of people came here wanting to only do a day. And uh, the word with all the truckers is they're now staying for many days you know like a lot of people now are planning on days and days in Ottawa so we are here to end the mandate. I am not leaving until we get what we want we're not going to give up I'm on lunch I could be on lunch a long long time RebelNewsPlus.com for that, where you can get Ezra's show, my show, and all the documentaries. Calling out a mockumentary, Mocha Pazurgan directing that. If there's one person I want to choose the music for a movie about my life, I think it's Mocha at this point. Um, and I got to say, I think it is available on Rebel News Plus now. Uh, and personally, having uh, seen it, it's a masterpiece. So I uh, highly recommend everyone checks it out. A mocha piece. All right. So let's get our terminology. A mocha piece. When Correct. history is written, there will be mocha pieces. Um, I don't even remember the rest of the names we came up for other people's <laughs> productions. A Sid special. Here's an idea, Sid. 
Sydney Fizard, Rebel News Plus, and you te- you just teach people what to forage for with some news content. You know how like um, yeah. <laughs> uh, a cook or a chef show will talk about stuff while they're cooking. You know, while you're finding the correct berry, which he sent us a video of recently, you guys, of which berries to eat. Uh, myself and others were very interested in that and watched it intently. He could just be talking politics. You know, Stephen Gilbo is looking to uh, do this, that, and that. Do you guys remember that he climbed the CN Tower? Also, these berries are very good for you, but don't eat these ones because they're poisonous. I'd watch that, Sid. Maybe other people wouldn't, but I will chant well, And I'm not going to... I'm not going to point anybody to any specific berries or plants or anything like that because you got to do your own history to know oh, what you should wow. eat. Um, but uh, as I pointed out in that video to you guys, it's uh, even there's berries out there that grow naturally uh, out in the city and whatnot, and some of them happen to be edible and very tasty, even though they're not generally largely consumed because they do have elements of them which might be a little poisonous in large consumption. So <laughs> that's, that's what we need you for, Sid, to tell us which parts of the berries to eat. Um, if you've been watching, you know, Fox News lately or really any mainstream conservative U.S. outlet, there's a lot of pieces going out about how dangerous the cities have become. And if you do any reading outside of that, you would see stuff about Illinois and Chicago right now where they have this thing called the SAFE-T Act. It stands for something I don't remember. But they've basically eliminated um, bail for second-degree murder, kidnapping, threatening um, a public official, and also you can't can't get the police to take somebody out of your property. Somebody breaks into your store, breaks into your house, the police can't remove them from their home, and they have a duty to not chase after people who've committed certain crimes as well. There's something happened recently where a guy was robbed, and they called the police, they didn't go after them. They went on like a three-hour like robbery spree. So crime is really increasing in a lot of these states and a lot of these major leftist cities. Of course, LA, New York, that's obvious. George Soros employs a lot of district attorneys across the country. That sounds like a conspiracy. Well, you can go look that up. He funds the campaigns for many people who inevitably end up turning legislation into this, eliminating bail, lessening uh, jail time for certain crimes. And, of course, you see the result of that everywhere. New Orleans is another city. We used to call it Nolans, Sid. Now, apparently, you say NOLA for New Orleans, Louisiana. The next thing is going to be... New Leans or something. I don't know. But the mayor of New Orleans is under fire because what she did was she would upgrade all of her flights that she took to business class or first class when it specifically says in their city, I don't know if it's bylaws or rules for city officials, that you're supposed to take the lowest flight possible. People asked her to pay this back because that's what it's the rules say. And you'll see this in this video that the rules say you must pay the difference if you're not going for the lowest flight possible. Possible. She's refusing to do that. And her reasons for it will shock you. Go ahead. <laughs> A defiant New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell is refusing to pay the city roughly $29,000 she charged this year to upgrade her city air travel to business in first class. Here's her quote. My travel accommodations are a matter of safety, not of luxury. Mm -hmm. As all women know, our health and safety are often disregarded and we are left to navigate alone. Anyone who wants to question how I protect myself just doesn't understand the world black women walk in. Defund the police. <laughs> this is from uh, Daily Caller Shorts, everybody, if you're wondering. All expenses incurred 
doing business on behalf of the city of New Orleans will not be reimbursed to the city of New Orleans. One thing is clear, I do my job mm. and I will continue to do it with distinction, with dignity and integrity every step of the way. And so that's what I'll have to say on that. The city's travel policy states, employees are required to purchase the lowest airfare available and that employees who choose to upgrade from coach economy or business class flights are solely responsible for the difference in cost. Unless we're missing it, Stu, I, I believe we work in news. Is there some sort of violent <laughs> Stu, trend against black news. women on flights across the country that fly coach? I haven't heard any examples. <laughs> All right, come back to us now. Right? No. The idea here is, Sid, that she can't fly economy or coach because there's such an an epidemic, I guess, of violence against women or black women in general, that she must fly first class for her own safety. I mean, here I was thinking that it was because you get a better seat and better meals and you get to be seated first and exit first and all these perks that come with uh, spending 29000 or 26000 on first class tickets. Little did I know, Sid, she was just fighting racial justice. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it, it's a shame. We see this from a lot of politicians. You know, our tax dollars are just their little uh, uh, purse to go into and grab from at any moment's notice. And that's exactly what she's doing, you know. It, realistically, why did she need to go uh, and fly, you know, VIP class or anything above uh, standard fare? She didn't need to. But she wanted to feel luxurious. She wanted to feel powerful. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, I guess, how it rolls sometimes. And it's a shame because this is our hard-earned money. I mean, not us, us in particular at this moment, but for any of these politicians, it's our money that's going towards this. Really failing up as usual. Okay, let's yep. move on exactly. here to the other platforms. We're going to get spicy with Sid soon. I know it. <laughs> I can feel it in my bones. It's premeditated. <laughs> premeditated spice. A lot of spiciness today. So go to Rumble odyssey or getter to see the rest of this broadcast rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you go every day if you want to know the platform to get it if you want to just go to one place every single day you can go to our website there rebelnews.com slash live streams because on youtube we can't talk about elections uh, are we going to talk about the 2020 election maybe it'll come up but vaccine and vaccine efficacy about any vaccine of course you're allowed to talk about masking now on youtube but other stuff is still a no-no you can still get randomly banned for mo uh, movies, for videos that are not published or years old. We've seen it happen. That's why we're demonetized. So please go to one of the other platforms, Rumble, Odyssey, Getter. We will see you there. Wayne's World. Sin, you Wayne's World guy? I'm going to go up because I don't know what you're doing. Okay, in Wayne's World, they do this for a flashback. Mm -hmm. You're not too young to have seen Wayne's World. Um, yeah, but you got to remember when I was young, I had access to the internet. TV was passe by then. Um, you can still watch movies on the internet. I've read on the internet. I've read that actually. They Allegedly. Still watch movies. So it's hot on pirate bay these days. Uh, before we get to Justin Trudeau, Ontario has decided against a holiday for the queen. Um, I think some provinces, obviously BC was going to go with holiday. They're the le most left. They're the only people who vote in NDP. Um, I knew they were going to have a holiday. For the workers united can never be divided, Sid. I don't know why I said that in the southern accent, but it works somehow. So we're going to go with it. But Ontario decided that um, it's not going to be a holiday. It's going to be you can have a moment of mourning if you'd like. I mean, Doug Ford has a moment. <laughs> Doug Ford has a moment of mourning if he drops a donut on the ground. <laughs> Yeah. I had to get that one out. Uh, maybe a cheesecake on the ground. Um, 
like moment of mourning every time he gets up in the morning. I don't know. There's so many things he mourns about, but not the queen, I guess, Sid. Should it be a holiday? Quick take from Sidney Fizzard. Uh, well, I think there should be uh, consistently, at least. Like, you know, England, you know, they might have a day of mourning and that marks as a holiday, a day off. Uh, I get that. You know, in Canada, you know, we're having one here similar. Makes sense. Uh, at a federal level, Trudeau's trying to push for this. But then we get this pushback uh, from some provinces like Ontario and I think uh, Quebec as well. Uh, Quebec, maybe oh, a little makes, more understandable. Yeah. Um, but for Ontario, it's like we've just gone through two years of hell. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure some people would like a day off, just, you know, a day of rest period. Um, and part of that would be uh, for sympathies towards the Queen, no doubt. Uh, but they're, uh, they're, I guess, kind of turning it into uh, a political situation. Poutine Day is coming under the Doug Ford reign of terror, I think. No, it'll be Cheesecake Day. Cheese Curd Day, too. Curd Maybe. Yeah. Justin Trudeau says vaccines have saved billions of lives. He's responding to accusations of hypocrisy. Um, let's play this video. It's from the same press conference as before. I don't. Can you take us off the screen so we can see Christia Freeland's uh, face in the background? There we go. Let's go. I think it's very clear that job mm. one That's of any government right now. is mm. keeping Canadians safe. And those are the decisions we took during the pandemic to ensure that Canadians stayed safe. And no government is ever going to get unanimous consent on every important measure it puts forward. But we put the safety of Canadians and the economic recovery that we're experiencing right now at the center of every decision we took during the pandemic. And if it is divisive to point out that vaccines have saved millions, billions of lives, the vaccines are safe and the best way through this pandemic, which we've perhaps ended the acute phase, but it will continue in various forms and we need to continue to stay vigilant. If people are calling a respect for science and an upholding and defense of facts divisive, then perhaps people need to take a careful look at those who are saying that. <laughs> Sid, where's David Aiken to say, Justin Trudeau, Mr. Prime Minister, where are you getting this claim of billions of people? Can you please cite this? But he yells at them all the time, Sydney, I thought. No, but where is where is he getting this from? I don't know if you're going to get any statistic that says billions. We know that billions of lives have been saved. I don't know how you'd calculate that. I looked it up. 13.7 billion doses given out. So maybe that's um, six and a half billion people who have taken two doses. I don't know. Um that's almost everyone in the world, I guess. Uh, but can you prove that it saved billions of lives when we're talking about something that still allowed you to get sick, weakened your immune system without getting it continuously because your own body doesn't create antibodies from having gotten it? Um, heart conditions for one in 5,000 people, uh, 18 to 22, I believe, or maybe 25. Don't quote me on that one, but it's one in 5,000. Where is this claim coming from? But is it okay to just claim this Sid? it's imaginary it's not okay to claim <laughs> it as well no th this idea that it's saved millions or even billions of lives it's it's a complete fantasy in his mind uh, and that's why billions of people because he's looking for what sounds good he doesn't actually know uh, but this is the the state-funded assumption that we've all been sh having sh have shoved down our throats for the last two years so he's he's going to die on this hill to say the least, uh, which is a great shame because, you know, maybe you can allege 
that the vaccine has saved lives, but we certainly know it's taken lives as well. We know that there are people that are having reactions to the vaccine. Um, and I'm not sure how far down I can go on this rabbit hole because, I mean, we're off YouTube now, um, right? We are. So, yeah. Um, some people have called the vaccine a poison, and I'm not saying that it is. Um, but if you look at the effect that they're worried about, I think a lot of people have to realize that it isn't a poison. It's not like you're going to get injected and die. Um, not saying that isn't the case, uh, but you got to remember that it's also a buildup. You know, if somebody gets four of these shots and then five and then six and then seven, well, whatever's going into their bodies, it's building up. It's not being uh, dismantled by the body. And in fact, it's damaging the immune system. And once the immune system is gone for millions of people, well, then their health is it completely, they completely have to depend on the government for assistance because they don't have an immune system which can protect themselves. Well, I look forward to Sydney's citations of all this as well on Twitter after this show. But I don't understand, Sid, why, and I get that people want a leader that knows things and just says matter-of-factly and makes these decisions. But is it that bad in 2022 if a leader just says, we think they're safe and effective. We think they're doing a great job. We think we did a great job. People might disagree, but if you agree with me, then vote for me. No, it has to be. We know this has saved trillions. He's like Bernie Sanders. The billionaires and the trillionaires and the percent of the percent of the trillionaires. He can't just be reasonable about it. He can't just say that, you know, we think we've done a good job if you agree with us, this and that. He says if people disagree with that, if people are disinformationists, then you really have to take a look at those people. And it's escalated over the last few years of, you know, I'm for all Canadians to, I've only taken blackface or done blackface four times. I don't know how many times. And we've gotten to, these people are racist, misogynists. We need to silence them. Um, they're bad people. You really need to take a look at them. Do we have to tolerate these people? He's really escalated it and really fallen into a role of tyranny that people used to, on the fringes, um, what's the word I'm looking for, hyperbolize about or just be hyperbolic about. People used to say, of course, you know, calling him a tyrant and stuff. And I didn't just get here overnight, Sydney. I evolved with, you know, with the government who, you know, increased the rhetoric. I didn't just come out of the gate saying, you know, Justin Trudeau, fascist, blah, 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 the same way they did with Trump. It took me several years to get to this point where I can fully understand that the people in charge of us who have been in charge of us for seven years in this country are not very bright. And, and I mean the people at the top that we see, the Gilbos, the Trudeaus, the uh, Christie Freelands, they're not these exceptionally talented people at their job. They're just going up there and they're saying whatever works. And then they say, people who disagree with me are wrong and we should investigate and look into these people. That's what he's really saying is people who disagree with me on vaccines, on climate change, on feminism, on all these policies that he's contradictory about all the time. Those are the people that we need to keep our eye on because those people are bad. They might be sexist, racist, and, and dangerous. And we need to, society needs to keep a close eye on them because they're the dangerous ones that are going to set us back on this amazing, great leap forward, this great reset, this Agenda 2030 that we're working towards. These people are going to stop us from reaching our ultimate goal of a supremely fair and even society where we will all own nothing and be happy. We'll all just rent our cars. We'll ride share everything when the government allows you to use your electric car. You'll have complimentary crickets in the dash. 
Um, well, I, yeah, I forget exactly uh, the wording. Uh, I forget exactly the wording he used in the the beginning of uh, what we just saw, but he very much burned the middle ground. Uh, mm-hmm. He 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 put it into there's that side and there's our side. And I gotta say, like you know, talking about people who are uh, protesting government restrictions and mandates. Well, I remember even before I was working at Rebel News, before even the quarantine act. Uh, was brought in place in March 2020, I started having questions and I was quick out of the gate, I guess you could say, uh, to be critical of what was going on. And then slowly but surely after the months, people started to come to the light and come to the realization that what was happening and what they were believing was actually causing more harm than good. Uh, And it took two years and then we saw the which was a real peak moment, I think, for Canada, where across the country, people realized that they weren't alone. They weren't crazy. They weren't extremists. They were just regular people who've been beaten down for the last two years and wanted to stand up and say enough is enough. Well, it's a little bit of a different tactic than I think what the Democrats in the United States do, which is more of a traditionally you know, communist thing where we create this underclass who's oppressed by everybody and therefore... Uh, let's tear the system down and start over again. Canada, it's more a classic socialist move where all of our problems are blamed on one people. And if we just all, you know, further give up our power to the state, then we can move on and be harmonious together. So a little bit of different tactics. You see it in Australia and Canada uh, the most using that one where it's like nobody can trust this certain group of people. So we got to we got to shut it it's down. A- it's a sacrificial ideology. Oh, I thought you were going to expand on that. Okay. No. <laughs> we're out of time, though. So maybe that's why <laughs> Sid's just got great timing. I don't know. Am I? I guess I'm just inherently insulting towards Sid. I'm sorry, Sid. I'll treat you <laughs> oh, better right. moving forward, okay? I got nothing to worry about. It's not my fault the flowers didn't make it to you. It's that damn post office. Slaves to Amazon is what they are. Um, any uh, chats to get to there, team? Okay, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to you guys. Thank you for everybody for watching Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, and of course, our friends at YouTube who jumped ship with us. We're going to close with some Nancy Pelosi. Rebelnews.com slash live streams to get the daily feed. You can also join us on Instagram lives before the shows. Um, we tee things up for you, especially when Ezra Levant is opening the show we will prime that up for you guys so you can catch us at 11:45 most days weekdays on instagram and then you can look at that on your phone and have rebelnews.com slash live streams on your laptop there nancy pelosi is going to play us out thanks guys for watching check out our documentaries all available on rebel news plus goodbye sid goodbye good adios Mr. I guess Nancy's President, using more insider thank knowledge. you for unifying and inspiring wow, a and vision blue. of a stronger fair, safer future for all, for our children. Your extraordinary leadership has made this glorious day possible. I, that's an applause line.